good. You're listening to Wasted Radio. My name is Matt, and today on the show I have Mike Valenti of Brick by Brick. This is somebody that I wanted to get on the show for a while now, and I wanted to get the episode up. I've, I've actually been sitting on it for a couple weeks, which uh, is twofold. Number one, um, because Brick by Brick had some shows coming up, and I wanted to kind of put it out as they were starting to play those shows and before they go on tour. So, you know, I think uh, we're going to achieve that one. But the other one is the audio quality. Um, this is a newer show, and I just you know, had my mic turned down too low during the zoom call. And, um, it's just one of those things. I did everything that I could to fix the audio. So, you know, the finished product, I think it's going to turn out all right, but I was fiddling with this a little bit, trying to learn a little bit more about, you know, what I'm doing and everything like that, which is cool. This whole thing's a learning experience. I'm cool with that, but for what it is, um, you know, the interview itself is awesome. Mike is awesome. He has a lot of interesting things to talk about everything from, uh, you know, we, we talk about hardcore metal, Jack Daniels and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, something that I really didn't know anything about was the Jack Daniels collecting. And we'll get into that on the show. So you're going to have to stick around if you want to check that out. Um, but first I have a few things that I wanted to talk about. Number one, I was just on this show called horror flicks and guitar picks podcast. It's hosted by a guy named Tim Mills who will be on wasted radio, um, at some point in the future. I just don't know when. Um, also, you know, I'll say this on the show, but not on social media yet. We are planning on doing a, a live stream, um, and hopefully doing it monthly. Um, if all goes according to plan, I have him and a couple other, uh, podcasters signed on. So it's going to be, you know, a, a pretty cool thing. Um, ideally it would be really neat if we could get some bands on there and do multiple band promotions at once. Also be able to promote each other's shows and, you know, just work together. Cause that's what this thing we have is all about, right? Um, so before I get into the episode here, there's another thing that I wanted to talk about. I did uh, this thing on my Instagram story. So I, I do these voting things where I put up a boxing ring and I pick two albums and people have to choose between them. And um, it was fun at first, but now I have to admit I'm trying to piss people off because I love getting the messages that are like, dude, fuck you. I can't choose between these two bands. Um, so that's what I aim to do. And uh, I had some time on Saturday morning and I knew I wasn't going to be dropping a podcast. So I figured, man, I should put a bunch of these polls up on the story and just see what the results are. Right. So I made 10 of them and I did this little mean gene thing that was kind of nerdy, but I liked it. Um, threw them in a paint of truth hat. And basically I came up with, well, I had some friends help me out too, but um, we came up with uh, 20 albums to go head to head with one another. So, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, 10 rounds. Uh, the first one was Minor Threat, and it was the Minor Threat discography versus Bad Brains self-titled. And Bad Brains uh, won 54 votes to 43 votes. That's 56% to 44%. I thought that was interesting too. But it was, uh, it, was, it was a close one. I expected that. Now, this next one I didn't expect. Gorilla Biscuits Start Today versus Youth of Today. Um. <laughs> Gorilla Biscuits won uh, 75 votes to Youth of Today, 23 votes. Gorilla Biscuits crushed it. I honestly thought that it would be a little bit more neck and neck, or I thought that Youth of Today was going to take it, but hey, I stand corrected. Um, the next one was uh, Cro-Mags, Age of Quarrel, versus Judge bringing it down. Now, me personally, uh, I, go, I lean towards Judge bringing it down, but the crowd, the people have spoken... Uh, Cro-Mags, Age of Coral, wins 71 votes to Judge 36 votes. So, I mean, crushed, right? 
Uh, the next one was Sick of It All, Scratch the Surface, versus Life of Agony, River Runs Red, okay? Um, this one, I actually thought that Life of Agony uh, had a little bit better of a chance, but I was wrong. Again, I stand corrected. Uh, Sick of It All, 67 votes to Life of Agony, 28 votes. That was crazy. Um, also, too, if you notice, uh, the votes do start to taper off, and there's a few oddball ones in here that didn't get very many votes. Kind of test the waters and see uh, the kind of people that are looking at the stories and, and the music that they're into and stuff like that. And it's weird because you would think just being uh, a hardcore podcast alone would be enough, but there are multiple subgenres inside of hardcore that have their own fans and it's crazy how um a lot of those you know like the the tough guy fans don't listen to much of the melodic or the grindcore fans don't listen to much of the tough guy or what you know this and that whatever it's all good with me um but you know it all falls in the same underground pool so you know we got to support it all all right moving on the next one was 100 demons self-titled versus blood for blood revenge on society and this one um you know, I honestly, I prefer Blood for Blood, but I thought 100 Demons was going to take it. Turns out Blood for Blood won uh, 52 to 37. So that was pretty uh, pretty crazy, too. Now, this next one I completely expected. I threw up uh, Every Time I Die, Hot Damn versus Converge Jane Doe. Now, I'm not a Converge fan. Um, my buddy Chris is a huge Converge fan. I texted him. I was like, dude, what's the best Converge album, hands down? And he was like, Jane Doe. And I was like, okay, so what do you compare something like that to? You know, um, because Converge obviously is this like huge powerhouse of a band and they have just such a strong, loyal following behind them. And I was like, man, what band can I even go up against? Um, maybe it wasn't the best band to put it up against, but either way, uh, Converge cleaned house 6325 over every time I die. Now, uh, every time I die, um, again, I don't know if that was a, a valid contender. So in the future, we're going to have to try out Jane Doe against some other stuff and see what crushes it. Right. Um, the next one is fear before the March of flames art damage, which is, uh, an album I grew up with. And Circle Takes the Square, I don't know if there's a title to the album. I should look that up before I do the podcast, right? But anyway, um, it's the the one with Crow Quill and, and all the, uh, you know, the classic songs. If you're into Circle Takes the Square, you know what album I'm talking about. But um, between the two, Circle Takes the Square had 25 votes. Fear Before the March Flames had 22 votes. So low on the vote count, but still uh, pretty neck and neck. The next one, I put up Bane, uh, Give Blood against Have Heart. Um, I think it's Songs to Sing to the Sun. Listen, okay, I'm not the biggest Have Heart fan in the world. No hate towards Have Heart. I know that everybody, maybe that would be a good one to put up against Converge, Jane Doe, and then Have Heart, Songs to Sing at the Sun. Somebody's nose might bleed. Um, so anyway, I thought that Bane was going to take this because I'm a Bane fan. So I was like, yeah, hell yeah, Bane, Give Blood. That album is awesome. I don't know if... People would say it's the best album or what. I really don't know. I need to talk to some other Bane fans and get the get the real Bane fans' uh, opinions on it. My favorite was always The Note. I think that's because that was the one that came out, you know, like when I was younger and, and whatever. But uh, Give Blood, you know, amazing album. So I thought it was good enough to go up against Have Heart. I was wrong. Have Heart, Clean House 52, Bane 25. Uh, so then um, Andy Ward, executive producer, hit me up and said, all right, dude, like, well, I, I hit him up and I was like, I need I need some albums to go up head to head death metal. 
And he said, uh, possessed seven churches, which by the way, if you have not listened to the album, seven churches by possessed, um, it's a dope album. I, I just want to say that real quick. Possessed is a really cool band and I feel like they don't get, um, maybe they do get the love that, you know, they normally would get uh, or, or that they deserve or whatever. I don't know. Um, but that album is really cool. Uh, we put it up against, so it's possessed seven churches up against scream bloody gore. And the idea is what was the first true death metal album? I guess, you know, among death metal nerds, there's a debate about this. Um, on my page, the debate was settled very easily. Death wins 54 to possessed 19. So, uh, 74% against 26. There's no contest there. Right. And I talked to this, uh, I talked to a couple people about this one too, because it seems like, uh, possessed laid the groundwork and then death perfected it and turned it into the prototype for what it would eventually turn into death metal wise, you know, um, and, and production wise as well. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that there's people that disagree with me. If you do DM me or comment it, that's an interesting conversation to have. I love it. The, uh, main event, the final one, it was agnostic, uh, agnostic front victim in pain versus war zone. Don't forget to struggle. Don't forget the streets. Okay. Um, I thought that war zone would win and shame on me for challenging the godfathers. That's what I get. Um, agnostic front won 56 to Warzone 41. So it looks like 58% to 42%. Uh, who is the bigger legend? I don't know. There's not a, I, I mean, agnostic front there, there's no bigger legend here. There are two completely different ballparks. Um, Warzone is just a, a, a timeless band that was way, way before their time. Um, and they still have songs. I mean, they they have songs that sound like they could have been written yesterday. Um, Agnostic Front has songs from back then, and they have songs that were probably written yesterday because they're still doing it. And it's crazy. I just saw um, a video of Stigma in the middle of a circle pit playing guitar. I mean, dude, you know, can you think of a bigger modern day like rock star? He's the new Lemmy. He's the new Joey Ramone. Um not to say that he hasn't been that, but I mean, he's alive and he's kicking and he's, he, he's living life to the fullest. And I, I mean, I'm really inspired by that guy, uh, Vinny stigma. Just awesome. <laughs> um, okay. So I'll tell you what, we're going to hop into, uh, the interview now. And before we do that, I want to play a track by brick by brick. Now we talk about this track on the show, but I have something to say about it real quick. Um, First of all, there comes a point in your band's career where, you know, you you strike gold and you hit something that you're like, wow, I never thought that I could achieve this. And I think that this song just speaks to that 100 percent, because as Mike was telling me um, and, and we'll get into this in the interview as well. But as Mike was telling me, you know. Testaments Chuck Billy. Um, sings on a song called Evil Remains. And this appears on the Dismal Existence album uh, from Brick by Brick. And I just think that it's so awesome to see crossovers like this happen between the hardcore and the metal scene. Um, It really is one of those things that I believe, you know, cements you 
uh, in the permanence of, you know, this just ultra alt, subculture that is being, that has been built and is continually being built around this music that we love and this music that we all share. And to me, it just speaks to the fact that, you know, like metal and hardcore definitely uh, are separate and have their, their separate arenas and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you know, we're all here uh, to mosh, to bang our heads, to enjoy uh, the way that we get aggression out and, and the way that we do what we do. Uh, we're all here ultimately for the same reason. And I think this song celebrates that. So that's the song that we're going to kick it off with. The rest of the show is my interview uh, with Mike Valenti of Brick by Brick. I hope you enjoy the song. Check out the show. And real quick, before we get into it, I just wanted to pop in and say I just finished editing. Um, there's a lot of lag in the conversation that we had. So you're going to have to deal with some weird pauses. I'm sorry about that, but I don't have the time to edit it. I want to get this shit out the door. It's a good interview. Check the song out. Burn. This on the flames 
500 people, then I would have felt better. All right, you're on Wasted Radio with me, Matt. I'm here with Mike Valenti of uh, Brick by Brick and, I mean, some legendary hardcore bands and just just a legendary dude in hardcore. What's going on, Mike? <laughs> a legend. I'm a legend of my own mind. <laughs> I'm can, good. How I you doing? I can say it. I, I'm doing great, man. I can say it. You, 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 you can be humble. That's fine. But um, I will just say, I'll put it out there. I call Brick by Brick the hardest working band in hardcore. Um, and I think that that is a well-earned title because you guys are always hitting the road. You're always doing big shows. You're always working so hard, um, you know, and, and just right off the bat, before we get into, uh, you know, talking and shit, I just wanted to say, um, I was a fan of the previous bands. I'm a big fan of brick by brick. I'm a fan of upstate records. Um, just to see you guys out there uh hitting it so hard all the time consistently uh it's really inspirational man seriously well i mean idle hands are the devil's playground so uh, <laughs> I, I i do it to kind of keep my mind focused and out of trouble <laughs> right yeah i i can understand that for sure um so when you guys started this band uh was that pretty much um, the goal from the get-go, be on the road and hit as many places as we can? Yeah, well, I mean, the band uh, actually started in 2004, and I, I'm the only original member uh, as it stands now. But in 2004, you know, we were sitting around, and I said, listen, I said, uh, this, is, this is what I would like to do. I'd like to sound like this, play like this, do this do as much as we can tour and everybody was on the same page. You know, we were young and full of vigor and everybody was like, yes, 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 yes. And, you know, I had a lot of things lined up, uh, for a, probably, probably about the first year we were together and the singer we had at the time screwed things up and set us back. And to make a long story short, it, we just, we didn't tour. We didn't do anything until, you know, we, I, I started replacing the defective switches, you know? Yeah. So, um, we, we did our, we did a tour with biohazard. That was our, our first actual tour. Mm -hmm. And that was in 2014. And that was the last tour that we did with the old singer. And it was just too much. It was, it was just extra work. It was, and I always had Ray, you know, we, we've been, we were friends long before he was in the band. So he was said, you know, he goes, Hey, if you ever need a backup plan, you know, I'll, I'll step in, I'll sing, I'll do this, I'll do that. We were on tour with biohazard and we got offered a Madball tour shortly after that. And I'm like, there's no way in hell that I'm going on the road with this singer. He's just, mm -hmm not making friends he just made things difficult and you know i, I hit ray up i said hey you want to want to do this tour of mad boy i said yep so we sent him the set list and then he learned the songs and we just uh, we rehearsed once and went on tour with ray and then in the middle of the tour i'm like just be just be in the band <laughs> he's <Yeah>. like okay <laughs> yeah and and he's you know, he's, a, he's a touring machine so he's like the perfect guy oh hell yeah and, you know, yeah, and, and you know, full blown chaos was was kind of they're they're not done, but they're they're not as active as they used to be by no means. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're just 
he was just like, yeah, this is a perfect fit. And you know what? We, we got along great and he added a, a, a new dynamic to the band. And then, you know, we, so we actually, I, I like to say that we actually started in 2014 yeah. you know, and it sucks that the 10 years before that just was kind of wasted. But, you know, since then we've re-recorded like all the, the decent songs that we wrote with the, the old lineup with this lineup and, here we are today, you know, and, you know, when COVID hit, I was just like, you know, we're going to keep busy. And I just, I just dove into a lot of crazy stuff then. So, you know, here we are. Yeah. And that's, that's insane. So 10 years before you actually like pretty much turned into the brick by brick that I was describing at the beginning, which is a touring monster. I mean, like, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I'm assuming you're home now, but I, I've, seen how many shows you guys are playing i honestly don't know when you are home other than like right now um but i just wanted to match up like our our timelines here because i'm 31 and in 2004 i was like going to my first shows um yeah and it's funny that uh you know in this story too like that you would get ray because one of the first uh hardcore bands that I saw and was hugely influenced by was uh full blown chaos. And that was shit. Uh, wake the demons. I saw it on headbangers ball. I was a, you know, junior high kid watching headbangers ball. Um, full blown chaos was on there, saw them. Um, and they were just, you know, everything that I wanted to be in a band. Um, and then like fast forward a number of years later, uh, just a little funny side note. I actually, I met Ray. I've, I've met you and I have actually met. I doubt you'd remember. We met very quickly um, at a uh, show at a VFW outside in New Jersey. It was like last year. It was like cold as shit. Okay. Um, oh, it was, it was at the outdoor show. Yeah. 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 That was, oh, that was, awesome that was miserable. <laughs> Dude, we packed, uh, we packed um, swim trunks because we were so close to the beach. You know, we thought that we were going to be able to hit up the beach a little bit. And then like the weather turned out that way. Anyway, though, it was a great show nonetheless. Um, but anyway, uh, I met Ray at yesterday's in West Virginia a bar. I, I honestly, I don't know why he was there, but I was introduced to him by some other people and we drank whiskey. Um, and yep. I was like, I was in complete fanboy mode because uh, I was like, total full-blown chaos <laughs> like just I, it was insane um but um i think were you the person that i had asked about chuck from yesterday's do you remember no that? was okay. not me. okay um because i was trying to track him down i wanted to have him on the show too uh but oh, anyway, wait, yeah you did ask me about him and i was trying to get through ray to because i i yeah yeah that, that i tried to reach out to Ray to see if he could help out with that. But I, I didn't really follow through on it. I'm That's sorry. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I doubt Ray would even remember me, uh, from yesterday's, but Chuck introduced me to him. Um, I think he was feeling pretty good. I think we all were. Um, <laughs> now, uh, so anyway, back to brick by brick. Anyway, I just wanted to kind of throw that in there, but, um, so you've worked, you guys have worked with pretty much, um, everybody like in hardcore that you really want to that you'd want to work with i mean like you did something through eulogy through fast break upstate 
Um, you did a, a seven inch on Reaper, right? Yep. Uh, Demons. Yep, yep. Patrick uh, Kitzel hit us up, and he did. Um, he did like a upstate New York comp that we were on. That was a fun comp to be on. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, for like somebody who would start a hardcore band, these are like goals, and you've achieved a lot of them. So, what is uh, like what future goals do you have uh, for the band? Oof. Um, right now, as it stands, I mean, the way the way our tour cycle or touring schedule goes, I mean, we're all we're all grown ass men, you know. So we we got jobs, we got lives, we got families we got all this stuff so we kind of do everything around our schedules and i think we're at the point now where we don't have to tour we choose to tour and that makes it more fun and it makes it more of of an experience for everybody around us because it's just i mean sometimes when you're forced to tour it becomes a job and you know who who wants to go to their job every day you know so i mean we 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 just have as much fun as we can and you know what the camaraderie between the band members i mean sometimes the the van rides are, are more fun than the shows i mean no doubt we we've literally had you know laughter I, i've been driving crying and i can't see i'm like oh my god we're gonna die because i can't i can't stop laughing you know so i mean the the hilarity within this band is is epic but um that's i would say like our goals would be i i mean i'd like to go but we've we've only recently started uh touring europe and then of course that ended because of the pandemic and we've been trying to get back over there and everything's been either canceled or postponed or you know we're not going to do it this year we'll do it next year etc etc right now we're looking at 2023 before we get back over there but we we haven't done a full festival run over there, and I'd okay. love to get on some of them festivals, just like anybody else and their mother that plays music would like to. Um, you know, I would like to be on like a real major um, tour that would. I, I mean, I don't know anything that's fun. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. our goal. I mean. I, I, I don't know. I, I I can actually say that we're pretty content on where we are and what we've done. And, you know, we, I don't know. It's just, we've done everything we, we, we wanted to actually. I mean, the, the friends that we've cultivated over the years is just surreal. I mean, the, the 15 year old me would be like, your friends with who? What's the matter? What, what the hell's going on here? You know? So, oh yeah. No doubt. You know, well, um, so let's talk about that then, um, because the next thing I was going to bring up is dismal existence. I think that, you know, since you brought up like interesting people that you've met and gotten to know and you're like, holy crap, I'm friends with these people now. Uh, Chuck Billy. Um, Chuck Billy. Yeah, dude. You got to tell me how that happened. <laughs> well, I mean, as brick by brick has been pro- progressing, we, we were always labeled a hardcore band. But in my eyes, I see us as a metal band and we definitely have a hardcore attitude. So we can definitely dip in and out of the genres, which is cool. Um, but I saw, I, I, I saw once a year or once every, you know, every couple times a year, we would do a, a bigger metal show mm-hmm. and it would expose us to 
so many new people. So, you know, the hardcore scene in upstate New York is pretty tight knit and it's, it's a little bit smaller, but it's, it's a phenomenal scene. But when we would play with a life of agony or, um, you know, uh, you know, a, a metal band, we play with shadows fall. We play with Unearth. We played, you know, with these bands. I mean, and they're all metal bands with a hardcore attitude sure. and it crosses right over. And it's just been so much fun. So, with Ray in the band really pushed us over toward the metal side. So our writing kind of changed a little bit and we started diving into a little bit more of the thrash mm-hmm. and the, the old school metal. I mean, we're, like I said, we're older. So I grew up, you know, listening to priest maiden Testament slayer, you know, the, the, the heyday of metal for mm-hmm. me. Anyway, so that's kind of how we started writing. So that being said, we we got Tony from Municipal Waste to do back uh, do some uh, vocals for us on the last record. Correct. Yeah. And then on this record, I'm like, Jesus, how are we gonna how are we gonna top getting Tony? <laughs> you know, from Municipal Waste, and you know, and I have a friend Warren who uh, runs Pitchfork Clothing. And uh, we're endorsed by them. And, you know, I've met Chuck Billy a few times, you know, when they've been on tour with Slayer or, or whatever, because he used to work for Slayer. And, you know, of course, first originally I was like, hey, you think Tom Array would sing on our record? He goes, nope. <laughs> I'm like, okay, just simple <laughs> like that. That's fine. Well, at least I got an answer. And he goes, what about Chuck Billy? I'm like, oh, my God. I go, uh, uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how many times I got to say yes to it. So, yeah. So he hooked it up and this guy was the most humble person you could ever think of. I mean, he did it during the pandemic and he's based on the West coast out in the Bay area. So he found a studio. I sent him all the stuff and he went in the studio. He did it all himself, you know, with, with, with an engineer, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, and, and he hits us up and he's like, Hey, can you do me a favor? And, just reimburse the studio, the money that it costs to do, to record that. I'm like, um, yeah, you don't want any money for this. He goes, no, no, the song's great. He goes, I, I gave you a couple different versions, but I, I, you know, I felt that the versions that I gave you were more fitting to your song than they would be more to a Testament song. So, Dude, that's I awesome. was like, Phew. so he gave us more of the demonic uh, Chuck Billy than he did yeah. like the classic Chuck Billy. But I'm like, oh, it, it just, but it was, it's so hard. It's, it's, it's crazy. But this guy is just, just like, yeah, man, whatever, man. <laughs> He's just and that's cool. Like you were, and, you, also, and you were that teenager, like listening to Testament records. Yeah, exactly. It was surreal for me. I'm like, I, I just got. You know, in my eyes, he should have been, I think Testament should have been part of the big four, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, no, I, I mean, over, I mean, there's, there should have been a big 10 and it should have just been, you know, definitely Testament should have been in there, you know, but you know, here I am saying, wow, I got Chuck Billy on my record. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I guess a goal would be a tour with Chuck Billy or with Testament and, uh, you know, have him sing our song every freaking night, but you know. <laughs> was, I mean, was, was, I'm not gonna hold my breath. They tore enough, <laughs> you know. But um, uh, yeah, so that's basically the roundabout way we got Chuck Billy on there, and it's just it, it's been awesome, you know. 
that's sick dude that's that's how i feel about this show a lot i get to talk to all these different people that like i don't know i'm just like what are you doing talking to a schmuck like me <laughs> but you know it's really it's cool i mean i get because i'm i played in hardcore bands and i'm you know like a guitar long time guitar player so you know a lot of people that i'm interviewing or people that like actually influence me like you actually influence me man it's really cool um but uh, wow it, it, hey man i mean it, it just is what it is you know this is the scene i came up in and this is the music that i like and the, you know you guys were the bands that i was going to see um i actually met uh chuck one time um I had a buddy, I, I'll, I'm going to cut this part out because I'm just basically telling you a quick story, but I've told it on the show before. Yeah. Um, but uh, I had a buddy who played in this band called Huntress. Um, and they were touring with Testament and Lamb of God. And he got me backstage. And he's like, I, he's, he's like, just wait in our room. I was like hanging out with the guys in Huntress. He's like, just wait here. I got a surprise for you, man. I'm like, okay. Um, and then he comes back like five minutes later with Chuck and uh, Gene Hoagland. And yeah, I just he's a cool dude too. <laughs> oh my god, he was so dude. He was such a bro, and uh, we smoked weed out of an apple. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I've had the same experience with that dude. He's so cool. It's like, yeah. And I look at that dude. I'm like, yo, you worship the devil. Cause you got he, that, 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 that dude would play in combat boots with ankle weights for the first couple songs. Jesus. I don't, I don't know if you watched him play, but I, when oh, I, when I, I met him, Gene yeah. Hoagland, when I've met Gene Hoagland, he was playing in Fear Factory, and the first three songs he played in combat boots with ankle weights. And he took the ankle weights off, and he was flying. I was like, "Oh my god, this That's guy's disgusting. nuts!" Dude, I <laughs> I felt like I was meeting like a dime bag level like rock star. You know what I mean? Like, it oh was, hell yeah, it was weird because I was like, I didn't want to like freak out. I was like, I know like who the fuck you are like you're like somebody to me yeah and and like i was i was like trying to contain myself and we were just like bullshitting like normal people but it's just like man wow gene hoagland chuck billy standing right in front of me um you know yeah that, and that makes a difference it really does it fucking does dude it's it's crazy and i, I mean like i don't know i mean i guess you kind of think sometimes like when somebody's had such a career like that, that maybe their head would get a little big. And with those guys that just didn't, you know, Nope. <laughs> now I did give my friend shit for not getting school Nick to come out because <laughs> I was like, I was like, how can you give me Chuck and Gene? And you just like leave Alex in the room. Like what the fuck? <laughs> but, um, so anyway, uh, let's, let's get back to brick by brick here, but, um, okay. So you have some shows coming up and then you have your tour and your tour starts July 8th. Um, I know that you're playing, I think it's June 29th in Pittsburgh or maybe it's June 26th. I think it's the 29th, June 25th, June 25th. Wow. I'm way off. Okay. Yep. Um, well, anyway, I plan to come out to that one. You guys smash your enemies. No good deed. Um, 
Yeah, uh, no good deed just got added like a couple days ago or whatever. That's right. So, uh, yeah, that, that's that's a sick lineup. So, are you guys gonna go uh, back home after that and then get ready for your tour? You're going out on July eighth. Uh, yeah, we're we're probably just gonna do a turn and burn that day. Um, I didn't really get a chance to really link a lot of the the beginning shows like our our release party was in february and we were supposed to go to europe right after so we were supposed to play our release party have a day off and then do 10 days in europe and of course it got canceled so mm-hmm. we didn't do anything we didn't fill it back up because i'm like well it's it's winter let's get through winter and uh you know we'll just start you know hitting it in the, when the nice weather breaks so mm-hmm. we just uh we're doing june 11th we're doing that in Poughkeepsie at the chance uh and then we got june 25th and that's in pittsburgh and those are like our only two shows in june so we're just kind of dusting our asses off i guess you could say and then uh july 8th we hit albany for our, our kickoff party and then we do the tour until the 17th and then we got june 20 or july 24th in new york city at Bowery Electric with Sub Zero, and then August we got the twelfth in in Baltimore with uh, internal bleeding, and then August, and then the thirteenth we're coming when we on our way home we're just stopping in a while with a t- tattoo convention. Uh, a friend of ours got us a booth, so we're just gonna set up our merch and just hang out all day, and then. Um, yeah, it's just like, yeah, I'm like, we just, like I said, I didn't really do so well linking a lot of shows. Um, our drummer, Jameson, just, he does, he trains in jujitsu and he's a trainer and he had a, a severe injury. So he, uh, his meniscus uh, was not connected. And when he stood up, his knee bent backwards. Ooh. So Jameson is out of commission. So he's going to, it's going to probably take him six months to a year to heal. Mm-hmm. So right now we have, ironically, we have Jeff from full blown chaos. That's going to be filling in for these dates. So we might, uh, we might do a full blown chaos song just to say hi to everybody with. So cool. the dates that we have for the summer, are pretty much it right now, because that's all Jeff can do because he's playing in a band called concrete ties. Mm-hmm. So they're um, they're starting to get busy, and he, he couldn't commit to anything more than what he's doing right now. But so you know, with us, it's always one step forward, two steps back. But when we come back, it's a good slingshot. We usually come back stronger. So yeah, uh, we're gonna um, wait. How's he, how's he doing with the knee? <sighs> Not good. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's supposed to have surgery tomorrow, but he got COVID. So he, they can't do the surgery. So, I mean, <laughs> it's it's yeah. a mess. So he's not doing good. And, you know, we're going to wait till the end of the summer and see where he sits. But um, he, he, told, he talked about the possibility of retiring. So wow. he might be looking for a new drummer probably wow. come fall. Yeah, but, well, I mean, that I remains mean, to be seen. It sucks because he, he sure. was we pretty much the highlight. Man, like, yeah. I, hope I mean, he was well. the highlight of some of our touring because he's so, the kid's so freaking funny. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's definitely going to be noticeable in that there, you know? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, so you guys are going out with Cutthroat, an LA hardcore band. Yep. Boys of ours. We've, I've known uh, them guys for a while. Um, they're a, they're a hardworking band too, and they they're pretty much just they they grind it out just like we do, you know. And they got the same attitude. And let's just get out there as much as we can, you know. For sure, yeah. Uh, where'd you meet those guys? Just throughout the scene. Uh, Bobby Blood used to play in First Blood, and we played with First Blood a bunch of times. And then he started he started playing with Cutthroat, and then. We did a tour out on the West Coast a few years ago, and we linked up with them on a couple of shows. And so it's like we just—it's just like I said, the scene is just so awesome. It's like you, you just see friends constantly because if they're in a band, they're at a show usually. So you know, when whenever you know, I know for a fact, like when I'm in Albany and I got bands that are friends of mine that are coming through from the West Coast. I'm going to go, you know, I don't care if I'm playing or not. I'm just going to go and ha hang out. Definitely. So it's just, it, it's just the come, like I said, the camaraderie is just incredible in that scene. So that's awesome. Um, how did the, uh, how did the, this is random dude. <laughs> how did the puppet okay. come about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. Cause, um, my buddy Sharky, he uh, he's a producer and he does videos and he does all this stuff. And I was I was look I just looked at one of his um, stories that he had on his social media, and uh, this is going back a long time. And, and there's something that had he had a puppet on there, and the puppet looked hilarious. And I don't know if you ever seen that that one puppet movie, The Happy Time Murders. Yeah, yeah, I saw it's, that. it's something. Yeah, so I saw that and I'm just like, it just came to my head. I'm like, we need a puppet video. I'm like, I don't know anybody that's got a puppet video. <laughs> so I called Sharky. I said, yo, that puppet, remember that puppet you did for that one thing? He goes, yeah. He goes, oh, I handmade that. I, you made that? I go, no shit. I said, what can we do to get brick by brick puppets made? He goes, oof. He goes, that's going to take a long time. And uh, he goes, but. I'll, I'll, I could do it. I said, okay. I said, we'll do it. <laughs> let's, let's just do it. I don't care how much it costs. Let's, let's have fun with this. It took him, I mean, I think it took him like eight months to build wow. our puppets. Yeah. So he did everything. And I told him, I said, listen, I'm going to leave the whole video up to you. Here's the song. You do what you want. You <laughs> tell me what you're going to do. I don't care. He was like, "All right, I got ideas, so here we go." And then we got a, then we got our video. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. But uh, yeah, the, the one the one downfall is our puppets got destroyed, so we didn't get to keep them. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I know. <laughs> now that's cool. I mean, I just thought it was a really really funny idea. That's one thing that you guys do well is kind of like like you do like funny stuff like that like the simpsons stuff or like you know what i mean like you are you gotta, you gotta keep it fun i mean there's only there's only so many tough guy faces you can make you know yeah, it's like sure. i don't know I, just have fun <laughs> i want to see people smile i want to see yeah. people smile i mean there's there's a time and a place for everything you know and and right now we're working on a new video uh we just had a a, a close friend of ours pass away so we're doing we, yeah, you know, I said, you know, I'm, t I'm talking to my friends. I'm like, you know what? We don't have enough pictures of each other. We don't have enough footage of it. It's like, you know, 
we could die any minute. So yeah. this next video is going to be dedicated to all our friends and families. And it's just going to, it's going to have like a montage of everybody that we've encountered over the past year. So it's, it's going to be pretty cool. So really cool, hopefully man. that'll drop probably in June, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, signature whiskey. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So when's this, uh, when's this coming out? I saw you posted like you guys at the distillery. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a, there's a little bit of a backstory on this. So during COVID, um, <laughs> I had time on my hands. So I started bothering Jack Daniels yeah. for an endorsement. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I want to be endorsed. They're like, well, we don't really do that. I'm like, well, thing is they never said no. So they, they gave me to one, one rep that actually heard of us. And, uh, he goes, uh, and I told him, I said, I'm a Tennessee squire too. And he goes, Oh, that's awesome. You know, and Tennessee squire is basically a member of the Jack Daniels fan club. So, and I have an extensive collection of Jack Daniels, uh, probably about a $50,000 collection, old bottles, rare bottles. It's, you know, and I register all my bottles through the distillery. So they looked it up and they're like, yo, you're a pretty serious dude when it comes to the Jack Daniels stuff. I said, I love Jack Daniels. And he goes, okay. He goes, why don't we do a single barrel for the band? I said, sign me up. So we did our own signature a single barrel and that sold out in like three weeks. And we sold uh, the, the barrel, I think was 245 bottles. So we sold those in three weeks. I'm like, Oh wow. wow. So that's cool. So, you know, like I said, it's COVID. So I got time on my hands. So then we did our own uh, beer and that, that sold out. And we, I didn't go through and make more beer because it's just so much of a pain in the ass. I was like, I don't know. And then um, we were hit up by a meadery and we designed our own signature recipe for a mead. It's called pillage. And you get that through Helderberg Mead Works. Uh, they, they have it on, on their roster. So it's, it's, it's like a national brand. So we just get a royalty for every bottle that's sold. Dude, you guys have it and, down with the alcohol alcohol <laughs> well like i said it was covid and i'm like well how are we gonna make money without touring so let's let's do some fun stuff <laughs> yeah we did our own cigars we did we did like, all this crazy shit Dude, so awesome. so now that you know we're all back to work and everything you know the the jack daniels was so was such a hit i mean so many people are asking me you're gonna do it again again i'm like no i said you don't realize how expensive it is yeah it's like you know we, we had the front like twelve thousand dollars just for the barrel Damn. And but I mean we made all that money back, but it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah, I, don't, I just don't have an extra twelve grand laying around to to front it. But right. <laughs> so, um, a friend of mine knew this dis distillery up by uh, by us. It's like an hour and a half west. So he introduced us, and he's like, "Well, why don't you come up and check out the distillery? And we'll talk." So we went up and we talked, and we did some tasting, and I was like, "All right, well, we got some ideas." So went back and I brought my bass player, Andy, who he's a whiskey snob. So, you know, he, he likes more of a scotch kind of thing and I'm more of a straight whiskey kind of guy. So we, we chose a five year 
um, blended batch that was already existing, but we added some spice and we altered the uh, the proof of it. We actually, it, we, it was 100 proof. We brought it down to a 90 proof. And it, I'll tell you what, sipping this, it's so smooth, it's not even funny. Really? So the name of the whiskey is going to be called The Smooth Truth because we wanted to combine it because on the Dismal Existence record, we have a song called Whiskey is the Truth. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's it, it's got a really good message behind it. So I'm like, well, you know, we got a whiskey. We're going to do our own whiskey. We got to name it after that song somehow. So we're doing Smooth Truth because it's so smooth and whatever. But um, we just licensed the, the recipe and the, and the labeling. So that's done. So when we get back from tours, when we're going to start discussing uh, when we're going to release it. And I'm, I'm probably shooting for like a September, October release for that. Wow. Dude, that yep. is, yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's, that's really cool. Um, I don't really know much about whiskeys, but you said about this collection that you have, like what makes like, a bottle of whiskey more valuable than a, like, is it just age or is it like, well, there's, well, you see, see Jack Daniels is a marketing genius. So they release bottles that are limited edition. They release bottles that are special edition. They release birthday editions. They release that. They got, they got something for everybody. Really? So the way they do it is when they release, they don't release everything to the public necessarily. They'll release certain bottles to New York State. They'll release certain bottles to Germany. They'll re- so it's like if you're a collector, there's always something to chase after. And, and it, they've and been it, doing it, this for really, like a long time. Oh, very long time. I've been collecting for 25 years. Okay. And it's fun. It really is because you... there's a whole thing there's like a there's like a community of people that do this oh you're not kidding yeah i my my girl thinks i'm insane with this stuff she's like you're crazy i said well i don't do drugs (laughs) (laughs) so i don't do drugs and i do anything stupid you know so i mean so i have bottles that are my older bottles are like in the 60s and 70s that are filled and not then the seals aren't broken, so they're worth they're very valuable. Seriously? I got. I'm sorry. Like the seals aren't broken; they're like in pristine condition. Yes, that's yes. awesome. I have the I have the bottle that started me collecting is a single barrel Jack Daniels, and single barrel Jack Daniels was introduced in 1997. And February 18th, I believe, was the introduction date. The date on my bottle is February 4th. So I have a bottle that was a test run. Oh, shit. I don't know how I got it. I, I don't know how I got it. I don't know where I got it. All I knew is back when in 1997 when I acquired it, I don't remember if I bought it. I don't remember if it was given to me. I just know it just magically appeared on my shelf and I'm just like, I have a bottle that wasn't even released to the public or wasn't supposed to be anyway. Because I, I, I asked people, well, what was the first single bear? And they're like, oh, February 18th or 14th or whatever. I go, well, I have one that's February 4th. And I take a picture of the thing and everybody's like, I'll give you, you $2,000 for that bottle. Blah, blah, blah. I'm no like, way. no. 
yeah, it's just crazy. So I don't even know how much it's really worth. And I don't, I don't know. It's, it's special to me though. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's crazy. Like yeah. I, I like learning about this stuff because it's like, it's weird how there's like, you know, just random stuff like that, that there's like a world of people that actually collect this stuff. And yeah. I just like, I, I mean, it's, it's such a crazy niche. I just like, I don't know. I guess I don't really, I guess I collect like hardcore records and stuff like that. So somebody who your sure. average, your average collector of whiskey would look at me and be like, what? Um, yep. That's crazy though. Um, so do, I mean, like I I'm completely oblivious to this, so I probably sound like an idiot. I know nothing about whiskey, um, but is like, is Jack Daniels, like, does it always taste like Jack Daniels? Like in these, different runs that they do that you're talking about you know are, are you going to open it up and it's always going to taste like the same way jack daniels tastes a, a regular a regular black label jack daniels will always taste the same a regular green label jack daniels will always taste the same and the reason is what they do <laughs> and i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a crash course in jack daniels so when you get a bottle of jack daniels black label it's 200 barrels all mixed together and they're all aged at the same time. So mm -hmm. it's a mixture of all 200 barrels. When you buy a single barrel, Jack Daniels, it's one barrel and the taste varies depending on where it was stored in the warehouse. It could, if it was stored upstairs, it was a little bit hotter. If it was stored downstairs, a little bit cooler it was stored over there. It's a little bit, you know, and, the, and that single barrel takes, the taste of that barrel and it, it amplifies. So, um, and it's age different as well. And then you have different proofs. So Jack Daniels used to be 90 proof and then it dropped down to 86 proof. And then it, now it's 80 proof. And the reason they did that is because it's more palatable and they'll sell more because people are more prone to buy an 80 proof whiskey than they would a 90 proof. Jack Daniels has barrel-proof whiskeys that are over 100-proof. They have the Koi Hill that was just released, which is upwards of 149-proof. It's just, it's there's so much, <laughs> and it, it, I don't even know where to start, really. But um, for the most well, I mean, part, just like the, the black 100 label, level course on it so far is just like a lot to take in. <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a whole thing. And they, they do a lot of commemorative bottles. They do a lot of special decanter sets. I mean, there's, like I said, I, I have probably 200 different style bottles mm -hmm. at least. And then you get the same style bottles with different ages and it's, it's, it can, it gets complicated. What you gotta you know your stuff, you gotta know your shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you have to have like a separate building for your whiskey collection? I don't. I, I, you know, I'm not. I'm not a fanatic. But I, I know some people that collect multiple bottles of the same, so they have extra ones to barter with. And to, I just collect one bottle of whatever it is. I mean, like I said, actually, I'm great. If this was a video chat, I, I would, I would show you because I'm sitting right here in my in my Jack Daniels room right now. So I got a probably about a, what is this? It's probably about a hundred, hundred square foot room, well, 150 square foot room and 
all four low walls are shelved and lined with Jack Daniels. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six shelves on each wall. Wow. That's incredible. So, I, would, I would probably have a kiss room if I had an extra room. But yep. a Jack Daniels room, I can respect. <laughs> I mean, I I was I collect a lot of stuff. And once I started diving into the Jack Daniels stuff, I stopped collecting other things. I'm just like, listen, I, I got to concentrate on one. What thing, other stuff know? did you collect? And I, well, you you mentioned Kiss, you know, and I I, I had a, a decent Kiss Did collection you collect Kiss of stuff like for real. Yeah, I, I had a lot of the, I had the first series of their their dolls. I had, and you know what I did? Uh, most of the stuff I had, I gave to Matt and um, Frank from Hatebreed. No they, way, they have them now. Yep. So I, I I gave some of their stuff to them. I kept all my autograph stuff from them. Though I got that stuff. Um, did yeah, you, I, uh, I did mean, you meet them? Yes, yes. I, well, I met I met Ace Fairly. I met Ace Fairly and Paul Stanley when I was when I was younger. I never met Gene or Peter, but I met Ace Fairly and Paul Stanley. It's crazy. I wonder if I would. I I wonder if they didn't exist, if I would play guitar. You know, like yeah, you know that was that was that was the first band that my my mother took me to see Judas. Judas Priest opening up for Kiss in 1979. No way. Yep. So that was my first show. That's I was awesome. Nine nine years old. <laughs> that's that's a great start. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, yeah, I collected that stuff. Yeah, I collected vinyl. I you know I I got a, I got a shit ton of vinyl. I collect CDs. I got a shit ton music. I got a shit ton of yeah. I used to collect guitars. I sold everything. All I have now is three Les Pauls that I use. That's it. Do you play all Gibson? Yeah. Yeah. I used to. I used to use BC Rich, mm-hmm. and I had a couple of Jacksons, and I was just, you know, it was all over the place. And I just, I just sold everything. I didn't have the room. I'm just like half the stuff just sitting in the case. I don't even use it. Get rid of yeah, it. Yeah, the cases take up a lot of space. Yeah, they and do. You have a pile of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just like I said, I just got the three guitars now. So, yeah, all three less balls. Yep. What kinds? I got a, a studio, a standard, and a custom. Cool. Are they all newer? Um, the newest one is probably 2005. Okay. And then I got a 2001, and then. And one in like the mid nineties. So yeah, nothing like nothing special, but you know, yeah, that's they, awesome. They do the job. They do the yeah, job. Yeah. It's a great guitar. I, uh, I never yeah. had one. Uh, I always liked playing them though. I know. And then, and then I, then I bastardized them by taking the pickups out and putting EMGs in them. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's okay. <laughs> I agree with that. move. So. Yeah, I just I love the EMGs. Yeah, I think that's a good sound, um, and it's I I like the just the heaviness of that guitar, and like you have to yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's it's just 
such a thing to play like it's it's a whole interactive experience i mean there's if you have a light guitar with like a super fast neck it's completely different than lugging around this les paul that like i mean it's it's a treat um yeah, I, you know, being being a little older my back starting to hurt because of them stupid things <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you that but i'm not gonna i'm not sacrificing my tone <laughs> yeah right what um amp are you playing out of um I'm, I'm using a mesa dual rec and i use a horizon um distortion that goes through the front just a, as a boost and then uh through the back i run a five band eq Did and then a decimator cool <laughs> yep i actually on actually on this record what i did is i profiled my sound in one of the campers and i used the camper because it was easier to transport and what is uh, okay okay camper um, camper is like a, a digital profiling um like system so and it's you don't have to lug your rack you don't have to lug your cabinets it's just it's plug it right, right direct into the studio that's great. <laughs> that sounds awesome. And um, so you did no digital tone work, like everything was just like Mike? No, it just uh, just went direct. And then um, the, uh, the, the producer recorded um, like a, a, a clean channel. And then he profiled my, my sound over that clean channel digitally. I mean, but it was all, it, it, it's not like doctored or anything. It's, it's actually my tone. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so, I, I like, uh, just hearing about the different ways that people record because, um, it's so different than, I mean, there's so many different ways to record now that are just completely different from the way that we, we recorded our bands when oh, we, we were teenagers and stuff it's crazy yeah i remember recording on you know analog and you know that that you had to do it in one take pretty much you know <laughs> yeah we had a mixer and we just rigged everything up and that's how we made our demos yep <laughs> that's cool <laughs> i i i miss that uh era in my life though you know it was um it might have been a little extra work but things were a little bit simpler yeah, I mean, just, things are definitely uh, more. How do you say it? A little uh, more complicated. You know, um, you know, it's just it's 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 like social media now. It's just easier to to acquire. Yeah, well, um, to bring that back to the band, honestly, I think the positive message that you put out with the band is uh, pretty well needed. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a breath of fresh air to see like joking around and like, especially like with the puppets and stuff like that, that, you know, you can play good music and, you know, good heavy music that you can mosh to and not take yourself too seriously. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, I'd, I'd rather see somebody smile than frown, you know? So, if we could, if we can make somebody's day, yeah. And the funny thing is, there's a lot of people that 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 like this that don't really like the genre of music, but they'll come out because they know it's going to be fun. You know, we have a good time. Yeah. Um. 
I think you have a unique opportunity to, uh, with the booth at the tattoo convention. I think that's a really smart idea, like to market your band there, because there might be a lot of people that, you know, otherwise maybe wouldn't have found brick by brick that are just going to walk by and like check you out, you know? Yeah. This, this Sunday, uh, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but this Sunday is May 22nd. Uh, there's a there's a punk rock flea market and you know we got a table at that too we're gonna oh, sit there awesome. and just hang out all day and drink some beers and sell our stuff where's you know? that at I mean, last time we did one we 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 sold more merch than we did at, at a show it was oh, yeah. crazy yeah for sure where's that at uh that's gonna be at empire uh it's a new club in albany uh it's uh I part upstate black and blue partnered up with upstate concert hall. And, you know, we just, we created this club. That's cool. This is hardcore, um, is coming up and that is probably the closest to a true like punk rock flea market that I think I've been to. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He has, he has great vendors and record labels and everybody that just sets up out there. It's, it's, yeah. It, you know, he does it right. He knows he knows what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. It, it's a great place. Um, I've never been to Black and Blue Bowl, but that just happened, and you had a lot of involvement in that. Yeah, um, it's the first one that we got to do within the past three years. So it was uh, more of a traditional New York style uh, hardcore. I mean, there was there was a couple bands from California on it a couple bands from Jersey on there, but, you know, sick of it all, agnostic front headline. Uh, the first night was uh, Crown of Thorns was on it and Murphy's Law, and then the second night was Madball and Burn, and it just, just seeing the old New York hardcore bands, it just no better place than New York to see that's that. Crazy. You know? That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, that's the epic. legendary shit that I was talking about. I mean, like, that's, you know what I mean, though? a lot of these like bigger shows are like getting to that point where they're like historic events that like are going to be talked about you know like lineups especially lately you know um and the park shows in new york are definitely historic events like it's i mean you you gotta think of it it's like these these bands are getting older nobody's getting younger I mean, Vinny Stigma from Agnostic Front is pushing 70 years old. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, that's insane. Young, for sure. It is. It is. 100%. It is. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, and that's that's a true lifer, you know? Like, he, he, just, is... he just got a mad ball tattoo on his head. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I saw that. Yeah, that's a lifer, all right. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. You know, but the guy smiles every day, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's crazy to think uh, what that guy's seen. Um, that oh documentary God, was really stories. too. The stories that Vinny Stigmas has is, it's, it's like visiting an old shaman or something. It's crazy, the stuff he <laughs> going on tour with him is is just so much fun 
That's it. I just go for the stories. That's it. I don't even have to play. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I see him as like a Joey Ramone type figure. You know what I mean? Yep. It's weird. And like, I, yeah. It's it's weird that he is just like I don't know a person because he's like a creator. Like he's he's such a I don't know. Maybe it's just like like it seems like a stoner thought, <laughs> but like it's just it, it's he he is so like amazing, and and yeah, and he created it's, it's, the game. It's, I, I've known Stigma for. I don't even know how long, but it's surreal to this day getting a happy birthday or a Merry Christmas from Vinny Stigma. Yeah. On your phone, you know, on your phone. And it's like, it's it's crazy. (laughs) It's like, wow, this this guy just said happy birthday to me. That's Vinny Stigma. He's a legend. (laughs) Right. Um, Did, uh, I'm sorry if you said this. Did Stigma play the B and B bowl? Oh yeah, yeah, Agnostic Front did, yeah. But not Stigma, like the band Stigma. stigma? Oh, not the band Stigma. No, okay. uh, Agnostic Front did. Yeah, that's crazy. They've been around yep. forever, like literally forever. <laughs> Forty um, years. Yeah, I mean, would hardcore be anything that it is? now without agnostic front no uh, definitely not definitely not they paved the way for so many bands i mean <laughs> i but this uh you know hard rock cafe you know and all the the rock and roll hall of fame and everything they, they gotta start recognizing some of this shit you know i feel that way too actually <laughs> like i can't believe that the rock and roll hall of fame has an acknowledged agnostic front. Like what more do you want? You know, and, and never mind agnostic front. There's other bands too, that were even yeah, before sure. agnostic front. I mean, agnostic front wouldn't be around if it weren't for, you know, <laughs> bands in the seventies, you know, the crazy. It's just, I don't know. There's just so much more to it, it. Just because it ain't mainstream doesn't mean it's not music, you know? Yeah, but like with something like the Rock Hall, I think it is mainstream and they look down on things like that. Oh yeah, I I agree. You know, or or I I've always thought too like there's something with hardcore where you feel like you have a sense of independence and I don't think they like that. You know what I mean? Like they, No, of they, course not. You know, like they they like nonconformity as long as it's in the bounds of like the boundaries they set. So, you know, I just I hope that someday a band like Agnostic Front or Madball or Judge or I mean, and pick a band, uh, Cro-Mags, Black Flag, um, Bad Brains, induct them into the Rock Hall. How's Bad Brains not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Crazy. You know? What if they yeah. aren't? I'm just making an ass out of myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if they if they were inducted, that would be a big deal, right? Like, Yeah, it would. 
Not going to happen, though, because they're, they're against not. the system. You know? Yeah, but, like, uh, I mean, hardcore is not just a subculture. It's something that has really, like, made an impact. Um, yeah. You know, like, how do you feel? Like, what? what is what about hardcore are you like drawn to what what has it you know what's been the thing that's always pulled you back in the 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 family atmosphere i mean you go to a show and i don't know to me everybody is is welcoming they don't there's no hang-ups nobody's judging you nobody's you know you're not an outcast it's it's like all outcasts so <laughs> you, you you go there to, to just let's let loose let some steam off you know i mean you know when you go to a a dave matthew show it's like you know it's 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 just a different vibe it's it's yeah i don't know i'm just i've never been to a dave matthew show so i don't <laughs> know i'm just pulling out of my ass but i'm just saying it's just you know what always get what you're saying, brought me like, back is yeah yeah, it just, it just, I was welcome with open arms, you know, when I, when I was a kid. I was just like, well, wow, these guys are cool. This guy's cool. Oh, wow, the band, you know, my first hardcore show was DRI and COC. So here I am, you know, in between sets and, you know, uh, Reed from uh, COC, God rest his soul, came up to me and, hey, man, what's up? How you doing? I'm Reed. You know, and you know what? Every time they came, that, that just that, little interaction made me go see them every time they came through wow. and you know 25 years later reed and i are friends it's it's crazy you know? crazy. it's just you know the guy you know actually texting on the phone like hey i'm in so-and-so and i'm doing this i'm doing that and then you know passed away it's it sucked but you know it's just but that's just the way it is you know you can't really do that with know bigger bands or different genres it's it's not as personable uh way back in the day what were some of the bands you were talking about like when you first started going what were some of the bands that you were seeing well when i was uh, my first show was kiss and then you know we did like you know the scorpions and the aerosmiths and all that just because i was a kid and i was just growing up and then things started getting heavier you got into the priest and the maiden and then you know the sabbath and you know, his stuff getting all there, and then the Slayers hit, and then Venom, Exodus, um, Laha's Rocket, you know, the 80s, is, then you get the Testaments, and then at that same time, I'm learning all this, you know, my doors are open, all this music, I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. And then my friend Chris, who used to be in a band called Wolfpack, he's like, hey, you got to come to the show with me. I'm like, what are they like? He goes, he goes, yeah, nothing you've ever heard before. I'm like, okay, let's go. And this is 1985, and it was DRI and COC. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, holy shit, this is crazy. This is crazy. And, and then he'd be like, yo, here's, here's, yeah. It's just like, okay. Then, then, then I saw Agnostic Front, and you know, then Sick of It All, and then Cro-Mags, and it's like, wow. And then, so now I got all this information just flowing into my face. I'm like, I got to play guitar. <laughs> you, yeah. know? So, you know, it's, you know, whatever. But I mean, that's, it was just so insane. How many 
bands there were. And it's just like, it just never stopped. You never stop listening. You never stop learning about new bands. And it's just like, wow, it was crazy. And it's just, you know, all these, all the newer kids these days, it's, I, I, I really wish they would dive into their roots and see what created all these bands that are today. You know, well, that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this show, man. <laughs> like, yeah. That's exactly what I'm trying awesome. to do with this show. I'm trying to like, that's awesome. you know, because I'm trying to get people to talk about, you know, like I feel, I feel very strongly that if you're going to be into a subculture, um, it, like hardcore it. or hardcore, yeah, you need to know what came first. Um, yeah. and then you need to have respect for it. Yep. 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 I yeah, agree. So that's kind of one of my goals with this show is what I've been doing is like, you know, talking to people who have been around for a minute and can tell you some things. Um, and that's interesting that like at such a, you know, young age, you had access to all these bands. Uh, did you have any oh, yeah. idea like what it would evolve into like this whole new world? No clue. No clue. Cause when you're that young, you don't, you don't see past the nose of your face, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> it's just crazy. And And the thing is, it's like, yeah, it's like all the all the bands that I've, oh, I'm friends with a lot of these dudes. It's crazy. Yeah. It's just, you know, they know my name. I know their name. We have conversations. That's surreal. That's weird. I mean, I, I'm, I'm maybe just because I book shows and I'm in the band, but it's just, I don't know. It's there's a mutual respect there. You know, it's crazy. You know, Lars Fredrickson from Rancid one of my best friends it's weird (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know you know you met him through the scene right yeah you know like you uh, like the reason that that's weird to you is because you have respect you know and and that's important you know you look at somebody and, and respect them for their accomplishments or you know their contributions You know, it was funny. We, <laughs> Lars and I, we went to a Slayer show in Boston. Uh, we had a bunch of mutual friends that were either playing on the tour, or working on the tour. So, you know, we, we, we met there and we went there and we're hanging out. And we're walking in the common area and I get stopped. Kids are like, oh my God, you're in brick by brick. And I'm like, I'm standing next to the guitarist, a rancid, you dummy. <laughs> you know, it's like, if you recognizing me? And then they ask Lars, hey, can you take a picture of us? He's like, yeah, sure. No problem. <laughs> he takes a picture. And then the kid's friend's like, you know who took your picture? That's a guitarist, a rancid. He goes, no way. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's just, for me, I was, that was like, that was like one of my funny moments. I'm like, Oh, I go, dude, I got recognized and you didn't. How crazy is that? He goes, ah, whatever. You know? That's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's got to be surreal. Um, we talk about Slayer a lot on this show. Slayer always seems to come up, um, like talk about influential. Um, so what's your, uh, just curious, because you know, you brought up Slayer, so I feel obligated to talk about Slayer. What's your favorite era? 
Well, I mean, probably from 86 to 91. I mean, you know, you had that, that encompasses, um, rain and blood south of heaven season in the abyss right there. Those are, that's where I believe Slayer perfected it. Mm-hmm. Show no mercy was great. Hell, hell awaits is the, the, the album that introduced me to Slayer. Uh, rain and blood didn't leave my stereo for probably, well, I, it's probably still in there. <laughs> South of heaven is probably my favorite album next to rain and blood. And then season of the abyss was third in line. I mean, that right there, those, that's the, that's the Holy Trinity for me for Slayer. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, on a side note, when brick by brick recorded hive mentality, um, the, the song hive mentality on the album, the outro of that is very Slayer esque. It's got a lot of, you know, dive bombs and, and <laughs> tremolo work That's and all that. I did I did that with Gary Holt's guitar. Damn. And uh, Warren, who's my friend from the, he uh, worked for Slayer, and he was Jeff Hanneman's guitar tech. And then when he passed, Gary Holt joined. He was Gary Holt's guitar tech. Gary gave him one of his signature um, guitars and actually asked me to hold it for him while they were on tour. And I'm like, I'm going to use it in the studio. He goes, yeah, all right. (laughs) That is awesome. So, yeah, I mean, Slayer is, those guys are the, they're the kings (laughs) to me. I mean, they're, they're they're definitely probably my favorite band. I think, the Kings undisputed. I mean, yep. <laughs> even their crappy albums are great. <laughs> you know? What's your favorite crappy Slayer album? Ah, <laughs> uh, the, the Diablos and music. Uh, they they started experimenting with that down tuning and stuff like that. There's a couple good songs. Yeah, and I, I I love the cover. I love the cover album too. That that was that was awesome. But yeah, yeah, I have a very special place in my heart for God hates us all. Uh, that was a great album. Yeah, I mean, it is just like, great album, re- like relentlessly heavy, like start to finish yeah. every song. Yep. I don't know how they do it, man. I've said it before, but I'll say it again, like. Tom Array is inhuman. Nope. And, and they never changed. They never wavered for anybody. No. And, you know, it's like, you know, Metallica changed. Everybody changed. Slayer just said, fuck you, and kept going. 